Welcome to this episode of Ms. Law Explains Things. Hi and welcome to another episode of Miss Law Explains Things. So for today's particular episode, we're going to do some kind of cross-cutting. So we're going to go from demand and supply and also to firms and decisions. So the evaluative question for today's episode is discuss the strategies retailers in Singapore can take to survive the current pandemic. The relevant concepts in this episode include applications of demand and supply analysis to real-world markets, the responsiveness of consumers and producers, price income cross-elasticity of demand, determinants of significance, and price elasticity of supply, determinants and significance. So if we look at this particular question and we look at strategies, right? Retailers are trying to survive the current pandemic. Before we talk about what strategies people can take, we need to analyze what do you mean by survive. Do you mean by survive being earning just normal profits, right? Or earning super normal profits, right? Or not leaving the industry? We need to kind of clarify that. So for most of us, maybe we'll just say, as long as I can remain in the industry, I think in a pandemic is good enough, right? So we might also want to think about what are the challenges that have been posed by the current pandemic. Maybe it's a fall in revenue, right? Okay. Because of a fall in income, people are losing their jobs, people are not able to buy as much goods and services. Maybe for some reason, because of that, also costs are going up. Right, so we might want to think about why costs are going up, right? For example, maybe there's some kind of supply chain disruption and the per unit cost is going up, variable costs are going up, wages uh, are going up. Maybe it's more difficult to uh, find people right, to do certain uh, jobs, etc. So what a straight what re- retailer needs to do right, really depends on, number one, the type of firm also the size of the firm, what are the strategies within its, within its you know, kind of arsenal, right? That also kind of ties to its market structure. But the basic idea is that it's trying to increase revenue and reduce costs, right? That's how you're going to survive the current pandemic, right? So you can use a whole range of retailers, right? With different market structures in Singapore's context, as well as a whole range of like strategies, price, non-price, cost-cutting, like you can even, you know, price your good in a certain way. You can apply price elasticity of demand. I would actually kind of use income elasticity of demand because of the current pandemic. So if I know the income is falling, maybe I will want to provide more inferior goods, you know, for some reason. You know, maybe I develop that product line, for example, right? So maybe I, I, you know, produce like the inferior type of my particular product, right? Instead of the more luxurious one. Right, so things like that, you can actually use elasticity, by the way, as a sort of strategy because actually under chapter 2, there's a lot of like use of these concepts uh, by firms. Okay, So the article that I'm kind of couching this question in is actually from uh, EY, right, Ernst and Yang. Uh, and it talks about how retailers can adapt for sustainable growth after COVID-19. So in Southeast Asia, the retail sector was the one that was actually kind of really affected by uh, COVID-19 because people were not going out and buying things, right? So there was a complete halt in all activities except the most essential services. So the people that were being hit were like department stores, uh, malls, right? But then other people were actually doing quite well, right? So I could actually expand this question and talk about the differential likely impact, right? On different kinds of firms. So department store malls were going down and then people that were doing consumer health packaged foods and home care were enjoying a boom, right? But discretionary spending, of course, and luxury goods has slowed. Right, so interestingly, the three shifts that were identified in this article said there's an acceleration of online retail penetration in the next five years. So that might really have a 
to do with much of what the strategy that is going to be taken by some of these retailers. Maybe they have to move more of their business online instead of continuing to have the physical space because you can't be paying rent if nobody is coming because your revenue is going to cover your, your, your rent basically to some extent. So they say that 70% of shoppers avoided going to crowded places and there's a sharp decline in brick and mortar retail sales. So, sounds just about right in terms of a strategy which is to become more uh, a multi kind of modal kind of strategy. So not only you have a physical presence but you also make sure you have an online store that's up and running. Alright, so actually interestingly for me just an a personal example like Daiso, right? So usually Daiso, you can only buy the things when you go to the, the shop. Uh. But I think during the pandemic, they actually had an online store where they started to offer most of the items, maybe not all, but most of the items because they realized that you must innovate. If not, you're not going to survive the pandemic. You're not going to be able to push out your, your items, okay? So everyone had to adapt, right? The second thing is there was continued emergence and expansion of new business models, right? So for example, they had the emergence of dark kitchens, which was an emerging business model. So it lowers costs. Remember, we had revenue, so we have to have costs also. Lowest cost by eliminating seating, air conditioning, lighting, and the need for centralized admin staff while providing quality customer service and the customization of some of these curated menus. So these are new business models that were not thought of, right? And it actually attracted a lot of investment. There was a lot of expansion of the model across the region. Another innovation is the development of community platforms, which uh, enable multi-channel engagement directly with consumers through personalization. Okay, I think that's interesting. So it's a lot of retailers to accelerate their growth even in challenging times, right? So to cut costs and to continue to generate uh, higher levels of revenue to ex expand into more innovative business model, right? And the last thing is that there's also a greater profit growth prospect for the people that do online retailers or platform-based businesses. Basically, e-commerce is taking offline. People are scaling up their operations. Right, so five key areas that were identified, I think, and before I talk about the five key areas, maybe we talk about what is the whole context is that because of COVID-19, there was a severe impact in terms of the supply chain disruption, declining consumption, and a con transition of consumer demand towards the health, safety, and online shopping. Because of these behaviours, right, the gulf between the retailer that thrives and those that decline will widen. So retailers needed to recalibrate their strategies and operations to emerge stronger. So some of the steps that were proposed by this article include adopting an omni-channel strategy and investing in an online presence, I was saying, right, to enhance our online competitiveness right, so that you at least have more ways to sell your goods uh, beyond just one way. Right, and then you engage with your customers, your new age channels like social media, you know, you set up uh, your product portfolio, increase your online visibility, advertising, you know, and you shift your marketing investments from offline. So like, oh, you want to have a big physical billboard, but nobody's there to see the billboard because people are not working in CBD. So you just do online, right? And you try to invest in maybe more back-end operations, okay? So that's number one. Number two, drive supply chain resilience with diversified sourcing. So you had supply chain disruption, right? All your goods, your inputs were coming from one particular part of the, the world. So now you have to hedge against these international trade disruptions, right? You need to make sure that you're getting your things from a more diversified source, right? So you can reinforce your supply chain resilience. Right? So you have to secure not just like far away sources, but maybe you have to localize. So you secure more reliable local sources and plan for long-term collaboration because you don't know when these things are going to happen, right? And you need to execute also good planning by increasing your stock levels for items in high demand, identifying substitutable brands, collaborating uh, with you know people along the supply chain, uh, developing a regional inventory hub, right? So where you can store your inventory, right? 
and you have even direct shipments maybe right instead of having so many uh, stages of the supply chain process and you can even embrace technology to reduce the dependence on labor okay and then you can fine-tune your your algorithms right to accommodate the latest demand trends okay number two number three expand offerings to meet evolving consumer needs so you need to seize opportunities identify where the consumer needs are and develop those products so if people want a particular product you have to keep driving your uh your in your innovation over there you have to enhance for example food enhance and diversify your ready to eat offerings introduce products with a longer shelf life because people are not going out as much focus on grocery home delivery expand into cloud kitchen space capitalize on the growing demand for food delivery okay so this all these are really good examples i really advise you to write down some of these it's a very well written article here okay number four consider strategic acquisitions ah everyone loves to talk about mergers and acquisitions right but it can during a crisis sometimes you just have to do merger and acquisition right so it's not bad because you actually rationalize you cut costs and you also get a higher scale of production so maybe for some of these firms that are focusing on investments in digital technology, right? They're trying to reshape their businesses for longer term value, right? And the fifth one is to drive agility, uh, to make sure that businesses prioritize their speed. So this is maybe more of an evaluative point to making sure that they actually kind of can identify what are the risks in the long term and then they kind of respond to them uh, appropriately. Okay, so this is a very interesting line in the article. It says that shifts in consumption patterns Regulatory changes, resource fluctuations, and competitions in the local market necessitate speedy decision making. So if you don't if you don't react accurately or appropriately to what is happening, you're going to be left behind and you're basically going to have to exit the industry. So this is probably something that you might want to kind of bring up towards the end of your answer, right? Because you want to talk about under what conditions a firm is likely to be able to survive, right? The pandemic. So I think there's a lot of rich discussion from this question as well as this article. So I really advise you to just write it down because it really helps you to have a more nuanced stand as well as a more uh, context-based discussion instead of always uh, suggesting very tried and tested or very like cookie-cutter responses. I think it's good for us to also improve our economics vocabulary to, to a certain degree. Okay, So we're going to take a look at some uh, other discussion I think in the next episode okay, which is on market failure. So I'll see you in the next episode.